Okay, everybody, uh, I'm going to now switch on my audio. This is a new feature that I have. It is called Steve Has Live Audio. So welcome one and all. Let me know if you guys can hear me. Let me know what you see, what you hear, where you're from, etc. so we can do a little bit of uh, housekeeping and maintenance here. So for those who are keeping score at home, this is episode number 201 of the Awesomers.com podcast. We're going to talk about the free Mexico mastermind uh, happening November 10th to 17th. We're going to talk a little bit about why I'm doing that for free, and, and it's, in fact, a, an Empowery fundraiser. And, yes, thank you, uh, Heather. My, uh, my microphone does a wonderful job of muting me. And, again, this is the technology fighting back. This is actually the beginning of Terminator. First, your audio goes out then your video gets a little choppy next thing you know the machines are hunting you I'm pretty sure that's the plot of Terminator 1 so um, uh, Heather uh, welcome I think you're over in Japan so it's boy, that's still kind of early for you uh, but welcome and in, in any case and wherever you guys are please let me know if you can hear me if you can see me um, you can high-five me virtually the objective is to make sure that we have good connectivity before I dive into some of the details, but it won't be long before I, I dive in deeper. So first, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way. Um, I'm hosting a free kind of beachside mastermind, very informal event in Mexico in um, November, the 10th to the 17th. So I arrive on uh, the afternoon of the 10th, I leave the morning of the 17th, and I've set aside time to hang out with entrepreneurs anywhere from around the world. I'm not charging a dime. Catalyst 88 is not charging a dime. Uh, we do ask and, and actually require that you make some sort of donation to the Empowering Nonprofit Co-op. Uh, this is a member-owned cooperative. You, It's up to you how much you want to uh, you know, donate. And, and I say give until it hurts, but only give what you can, right? If your business is struggling right now, Throw a Scooby snack in there. If your business is doing great now, let's support that very important cause. Uh, by the way, Empowery has been behind initiatives like, uh, you know, the when we had the Amazon uh, letter writing campaign, basically the Dear John uh, letters to Amazon where we were breaking up with them because they were uh, screwing us around. Uh, they, it had a nice modest impact, but it could have been better because Amazon – is the only game in town, they don't really listen to anybody. And until they have competition, I don't think they're going to listen in an active way. Uh, thanks, Sean, uh, for confirming. Uh, by the way, Heather was first firsties with no audio. She followed up quickly with, ha-ha, I can hear you now. That might even be, ha-ha-ha, I can hear you now. I can't tell. And then uh, Sean says he can hear us as well. So please help us, everybody. Say hello and let me know where you're at, where you're from. And we'll make sure that you're a part of the show. By the way, get your questions ready because I'm happy to answer questions today. Uh, that's really the priority. I want your questions to be front and center. But as we go, and I don't see questions pending uh, or the, the questions just aren't ready uh, to be addressed yet, uh, I will just cover some housekeeping. So, again, on the Mexico Mastermind, there is no cost for me. Uh, there is no cost from Catalyst 88, which is – uh, kind of my traditional masterminding uh, venue. We're not going to uh, do anything. Uh, welcome, Sean. Uh, it looks like he's in from Las Vegas. I was just there. I actually did a road trip from Seattle to Las Vegas just to see what the apocalypse has done to Vegas and, and kind of get a flavor of it. 
And I will say, uh, officially, it was weird. Uh, I was glad to be there. It was weird. and uh, But I'm, I'm ready to travel. I'm ready to get on an airplane. And I'll take precautions. We'll get COVID tests before we go. And for those wondering, well, can you even get into Mexico? The answer is yes. You can fly. You can get on an airplane, fly to Mexico. The requirement to get entry into Mexico is that you have a timely COVID-19 negative test result. And so, gosh, that seems like that, that seems like a real easy thing, you know, uh, get a COVID test that says you're negative, you're not going to infect a bunch of people, and then get on with your life. And we're going to do that right down in old Mexico. So uh, if you want to know more about that, you go to catalyst.com uh, slash or catalyst88.com, excuse me, slash Mexico. I'm going to put that in the chat here for those to keep score at home. And uh, Kimberly, welcome. Uh, nice to see you. And she's got a question. Oh, and what a sweet question it is. How are you? Uh, I am well. No, I'm fine. Uh, I'm good. No problems. And you can tell that I'm serious because I've got the reading glasses, but you can tell I'm accessible because I have the Star Wars, if you're listening to the or watching the, the live broadcast. I have a Star Wars t-shirt on, which is actually uh, interfering with the green screen somewhat. So that's how you know it's both uh, a highbrow conversation without taking ourselves too seriously. So uh, in, in any case, my main point of talking today is, again, to be open for your questions, but also to cover some of these things. So the, um, the Mexico Mastermind, I think I've now covered that. You guys can ask questions about it if you wish. Number one question from people has been, how can you travel with COVID? The answer is uh, taking the right precautions. But uh, I think on the beach, we're going to be in really good shape and really good company. Um, not only am I going to be there, but some of, a couple of my brothers who have deep experience, and I'm talking about you know, 15, 20 years of e-commerce experience. One of my sister-in-laws, uh, she'll be there as well. And uh, one of my brother-in-laws, also 20-plus years of experience e-com. And so... You know, they, these guys aren't as required or as, as um, diligent, perhaps, as myself, but I know that they love to talk business. So you've already got a roundtable of brilliant minds that you'll be able to interact with. And basically, we're just withholding the resort name, Importa Vallarta, so down in Puerto Vallarta, um, until you throw a little Scooby snack. And you can go to that webpage, you can make a little donation, and make it a big donation. I, I got no problem with that. Um, but whatever you do, that's how you get the resort info, and then you you pay your own travel and hotel, and you show up. And we have a great time. And I tell you, I've I've done this in Roatan, I've done this in China, I've done this in Rome, uh, Paris, London, um, all over the United States. It's inevitably we make some memories, we we find some things out about you know how to break through some of the barriers in business. And we also um, often develop relationships that are lasting and meaningful. And, and I certainly expect that to be the case um, when we have that, you know, when we have that here as well. Uh, so uh, Sean asked a question, and I, I'll ask you for some context, Sean, to the extent that you can help. Uh, you say, what kind of seller should join Catalyst 88? So uh, in this particular case, uh, as has been my practice for the last couple of years, we're only doing kind of one-off events like this. We're not doing the quarterly ongoing um, program, uh, mostly because it was such a treadmill for me. I was just running every quarter to produce amazing events, right? We take people to eBay and to Amazon 
and to Moz.com, and we'd bring in experts from you know all around the world to talk about important things. So as a as a traditional quarterly mastermind, we're not open for that right now. Um, I'm sorry about that. However, as a kind of one-off thing, uh, we did a thing in the spring where you know we did a meetup in Israel. Uh, we did a meetup in London. Uh, I can't remember if Paris happened on that trip as well. Last September, we did a, a, a event over in China. And so these are kind of the things I, I have the time to commit to. Uh, I love the Catalyst 88 Mastermind community. Uh, some of my best friends are in there, and they were they developed into friendships over that course of time. And they are, again, some brilliant people. I, I, I tend to be a facilitator of these things, and I have a little bit of experience. So it's, it's helpful for me to be able to say, um, you know, what, what, what problems do you guys have? Like I'm doing right now live, by the way. What problems do you guys have? What's your number one hardest problem? And I'll just take a crack at it and see if I have any experience or any resources to, to guide you. And, you know, my objective is to help folks, um, you know, break through whatever that, that barrier is. And Sean follows up with, uh, he understands uh, my response. And he says, mid-seven-figure fitness brand looking to scale to eight figures. Uh, Sean, that's certainly the right kind of... Um, player so in the catalyst 88 philosophy let's not worry about the mastermind specifics right now but the philosophy is we put strategy first we put system second and we put scale third so strategy is i'm going to launch a rocket ship where's it going right that that is a question we don't often ask ourselves especially in the amazon seller community we're we're so busy with will this product work or not work we don't think about that big picture but if you're launching a rocket and you're one degree or you know off to the left or to the right or what have you that rocket could end up in an entirely different galaxy unintended galaxy and so that's why we have to put strategy first and that's not just where am i going what i'm doing it's it's how to find your personal why uh there's a, a series of things and and really, it's that foundation that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of CEOs lack, is they don't have the foundational thinking. As a matter of fact, if you will indulge me, I'm going to try to share my screen. Now, I will try to talk through the screen uh, a little bit for the uh, audio folks who can't see this. So right now, I'm sharing, and I'm just going to go to full screen. I know it's probably pretty small, so I'm going to try to zoom in. Just give me a minute. And what I'm what I'm trying to get to is a what what I consider leadership training. And I'm going to just zoom in to 200%. So one of the things we've talked about doing is a virtual online um, CEO training next year, for example. And we start with, hey, what are the things you need to know? Right? You need systemic thinking. You need your personal why, your strategic objective, your company story. Um, you need to what, define your key indicators, define your key frustrations, and then wrap your brain around what systemic thinking is all about. And this is covered over a course of weeks. And I'll tell you where the, the curriculum for this stuff comes from is it comes from some of the, the executive training that I used to do. Because when I would go into companies or exit companies or you know consult for companies, I would say, the only thing that I can leave is some lasting legacy of improvement in the people and the people that I tend to 
deal with and talk to the most are the it's the leadership people, right? It's not that I don't talk to the folks on the line and the folks running the business day to day, and I often talk to them to figure out what the people up top are doing wrong. Um, but I I I want to leave a lasting impact to leaders, and so this concept is CEO training to say, you know, if you don't know your personal why, it's much much harder to scale. Uh, and by the way, when you scale, you don't it doesn't feel satisfying it doesn't feel fulfilling if you don't know those things and by the way we've got a free procedure you can go to awesomers.com click the join us button and it'll start sending you your personal why and and how to write a company story some procedures uh, free no obligation you know go use them and make it uh, you know make it happen and so understanding your foundations then you move into marketing you know, everybody thinks I'm going to sell my stuff to everyone who wants to buy it. But that is, well, it's the opposite of a good marketing strategy. You should niche down to the, the person who would be best fitting your product and then just kill that market. I mean, just murder that market as best you can. And I mean that in the most positive sense. And it's, when, as you do that, then you'll find that you'll have these halo effects outside of that center core audience. But most of us entrepreneurs, we're like, well, you know, I want to sell my garlic press or spatula to just everybody on the planet who wants to buy it. And that is not a recipe for marketing success. I'll be candid with you. That's going to dilute your message and ultimately you're more likely to fail. And Amazon helps uh, cover up a lot of our mistakes because they have such a significant audience. And if you learn the, the basics like ranking and relevancy and you know, um, you know, high quality photos and good supply chain. You're you're going to get, um, you're going to get a, a better uh, return on your investment. So, um, my point is, without defining a really specific target, you're not going to have the best experience. So, it, it continues on to what are the types of uh, geographics, the customer behaviors, brand positioning, what are your differentiations, not just from a philosophical standpoint, but the product itself, the, you know, all of these types of things. And we can't do each individual product, but we can talk about these things. And as you're into, you know, week nine, 10, now you're talking about what are the finance fundamentals? Do you have an operating budget? Do you get a monthly P&L, cash flow statement, balance sheet? Are those delivered by the 15th of the, the month? And, and then do you review them? And who do you review them with if you're not an expert and don't know what the reports mean? Um, how do you set financial strategies that will help you accomplish your goals, right? How do you put management in place to, to monitor these uh, financial metrics? What's your organizational strategy? What's your HR plan? Are you capable of hiring 10 people and keeping them working and having a management structure that doesn't make you a slave to the business? All of those are parts of the question. So as you consider, you know, we're now into week 15, 16, we start talking about, you know, after your org strategy, you get into business development meetings, you get into being a mentor manager instead of being the boss who has all the answers and beat you over the head if you do something wrong. How about mentor them, develop them, make them awesomer, and then you will find that they are not just loyal, they are extraordinary. Uh, and that, that moves into position contracts, a uh, calendar control system helps you think of um, your your team as resources. And I will tell you, too often, I still do this myself, 
we say, oh, just keep, you know, we, we tell, you know, somebody marketing and merchandising, sales, service, whatever. Hey, you know that thing I told you yesterday? I hope that's done by now, but I want this thing, this thing, this thing. We just keep adding to the list, right? That is, again, a recipe for potential disaster. And certainly it's a recipe for unhappy people. And then it, you're also unhappy because when you show up, I don't know, a week later, two weeks later, you figure out, oh, they only did three of the things. You even forgot three of them, but the three you remember, they didn't do those uh, out of the six that you gave them. So the point is using a calendar, having operating manuals, having SOPs, how do you get those in a systemic way? Uh, by the time we're into week 20, we're talking about the production process, the delivery process, you know, systems evaluation. How do you innovate? How do you convert leads better? How do you follow up on, you know, the conversion process? And this just kind of goes on and on. We've got about a year mapped out that we would use typically for executives. And my question to you guys, just as a general thing, is would, you know, e-commerce entrepreneurs, Amazon entrepreneurs like this kind of training? Here's why they, I think they won't like it. They won't like it because it is not the hot, sexy tactic of the day that may or may not get you in trouble at Amazon. It is the boring uh, drudgery of actually managing a business, which I have to tell you, uh, that's the cost of admission if you're going to run a business. So uh, my point, again, everybody, is as you think about your business, as you think about being an um, entrepreneur, a CEO, then you really need to think about how those things, meaning marketing, merchandising, management, HR, finance, how all of those things are being executed and managed and measured inside of your company. So if you have interest in that, uh, just you know, put in the comments and we'll see if we introduce that uh, to the folks in a virtual format later, that we do kind of live weekly virtual training for CEOs. Um, all right, so we've got, uh, Sean has asked a question. He says, logistics is our biggest issue, but we just signed up with Amazon Global Logistics, which looks like it's going to be a huge help. So that's cool. I'm glad to, that you have something going on. Logistics are a historically painful uh, area. Uh, we have so much experience that it's, it's less painful than it used to be. Uh, we just had you know, some containers arrived from a new origin, a new destination. They arrived within a few days. Um, everything was on time. We had to argue about the duties and the tariffs and so forth and, and you know, straighten out the freight forwarder. But as long as you kind of know your business, you can win those. And, and I'll give you a great example. The freight forwarder sent us um, basically a duty invoice. It's like, hey, pay this to customs for 25%. So it was like a... $18,000 bill or $15,000 bill, I don't remember the exacts. And I'm like, this product is not, it's got an exemption from the, the Trump 25% duty. And she's like, well, I don't see it like that. Just send the money to customs and you can work it out with them later. And it's like, no, 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 no. You refile, you use this code and use this exemption. We had told them ahead of time. My point is, Sean, even somebody like us, myself, my team with lots of experience, you know, our typical container volume still exceeds 100 containers a month. Um, last year it was closer to 150 containers a month. Uh, we've definitely taken a hit due to COVID, but you know we we know how to move product, and I think Amazon Global Logistics is an advantage for some sellers. Uh, but I would always, 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 and if you take nothing well, uh, 
nothing else away from today, know that logistics, you have to do a bake-off at least once every six months. And what is a bake-off, you may ask? That is where you pit multiple, you know, at least uh, two or three freight forwarders and providers against each other and bid to make sure the current provider, whether it's Amazon Global Logistics or anybody else, is giving you the best rate. Um, all of those people are in it to win it. And what happens is they often give you a cheap price up front to earn your business, and then you kind of trust them, and then you kind of build on that relationship. And then they just kind of sneak in these little, you know, little shark bites. And pretty soon you figure out that you're being eaten alive, but it's too late, right? And it's very common to have this, this back and forth discussion. We are constantly arguing about the amount of accessorial charges or, you know, uh, drayage or the, they dropped it, but they didn't really drop it. They, they just, you know, the, the, it's their practice, their business practice to, to pull some tricks. So be aware of that and just know that freight's a pain and you got to have people who are prepared to deal with the pain. I'm lucky because I have a team that deals with that pain and I don't really have to deal with it that often. Uh, Kimberly says, I'm curious for the cost of the Mexico trip. It's around 2000 at Amazing All-Inclusive Resort. So the, the resort is indeed uh, amazing, and it's all-inclusive. It's a, a very nice place. I've been there before. It's got all the amenities that you want right on the beach. Um, uh, Kimberly, it, just, it really depends on how many people. I think our cost was somewhere around 110 bucks per person per day for the resort, plus whatever the airfare was. So you can just kind of do the math and figure out if, if that's in the zone. But uh, I think I just went on to Expedia, nothing special. And uh, since you've already uh, made a donation, we thank you for that. Uh, and you've been on a Catalyst 88 trip before. You're an alumni. Uh, you're very welcome to join. And, um, yeah, we'll see you there uh, if you decide to make it down. Okay, so that's a couple of the questions that were in the queue. So we'll close out, uh, unless you guys ask me questions about Mexico, I'll uh, consider that matter closed for the moment. Um, I want to talk about it Prime Day just for a minute. There's a lot of discussion about Prime Day where you know third-party sellers surpassed three and a half billion in sales during the Prime Day, which was two days, by the way. Um, and that was on, I think the total cumulative amount was somewhere around 7.9 billion. So. What, what you're going to find is Amazon is going to start issuing a bunch of press releases that are highly, um, let's say, <laughs> I want to say it carefully. This is my opinion, first of all, so Amazon lawyers just back off for a minute. Because of Amazon's antitrust scrutiny, I think they're going to try to put a lot of puffery stories out there saying what heroes they are and how they're saving the world and, and doing all this nice stuff for entrepreneurs. And 49% of it is true. 49% of it is not true. And the 2% is the part that you just kind of have to do the math on your own. Some of it, they absolutely, in my opinion, again, absolutely are not being transparent and fully honest when it comes to some of the stuff they replied to Congress and some of the the uh, antitrust investigators, they are giving answers that are either intentionally obtuse, totally wrong, or otherwise incomplete. Um, so the countermeasure to that from Amazon's perspective is to issue a bunch of press releases that say what great people they are. 
um, and how they're saving the, the small and medium-sized businesses and so on and so forth. So you're going to find a lot of these news stories about where it's all slanted that third-party sellers are the winners and Amazon's, you know, just barely getting by. Oh, gosh. You know, the Amazon sellers, uh, I think Bezos used the words, are kicking our butt in his annual meeting. All of that, I have to say, is uh, filtered and not 100% accurate. Uh, they know what they're doing. They have admitted that they, in fact, have used uh, seller data for their own uh, purposes, which they're not supposed to do. Son of a gun. Well, thanks, everybody. Man, I just had some gold I was laying on you. That dang audio button, I did not click it well enough. Uh, Gerardo, Heather, thank you. Kimberly, thank you. Uh, apparently, my sound dropped out. And so, yes, I coughed and then the audio dropped out because I was so smart. I used the cough button. Uh, what a ding dong I am. Thanks, everybody. Uh, one and all, I appreciate you guys uh, pitching in here. And, uh, uh, okay, I'm back. All right, so I'll try to restate my, my rant there. Uh, the, the summary is Amazon has used our personal information, meaning our business information about our products, for their own advantage, they've admitted as much in the Wall Street Journal, and that is, in fact, something that they not did, not only did they admit it, past employees admit it. They said it's kind of prevailing wisdom. Everybody kind of knows it, right? Everybody at Amazon, they get bonuses based on what they sell, and they sell at margins way less than you and I, and they have distinct advantages. They're, they're product pages. They can do a lot more stuff with it than we can. They break many of the rules they uh, impose on marketplace sellers. They don't have to pay the same advertising and things like that that we do, right? It certainly, it doesn't come out of their product. Uh, they might have an advertising allowance based on impressions or, or you know, costs, but it doesn't come out of their pocket, right? Where we live and die by our ad spend, right? If our ad spend doesn't work, we're kind of screwed and glued. If their ad stuff doesn't work, it's not that big a deal. So my, my main point here is that you're going to see a bunch of news articles where Amazon is spinning the news basically to say they're heroes and that marketplace sellers are running right over the top of them and that, that Bezos and, and the rest of them don't know what to do because marketplace sellers are so amazing and blah, blah, blah. Again, it's part true and it's part, uh, I think, marketing puffery. But you, as the sellers, can decide whether they're fair or not fair. So again, thanks, everybody. Sorry my audio went out. Uh, this has happened to me more than one time. So uh, this is only episode 201 of the podcast. So one would think after 200 uh, episodes, you would have some of the basic things like audio down. But uh, no, not me. I'm a slow learner. All right, so we, we're talking a little bit again about the Prime Day results, and three and a half billion dollars in sales is pretty good. Um, and the, you know, they talked about how it was up overall. The context for all of that, I think, needs to be weighed against. So Amazon disclosing it in the first place, the context needs to be weighed against the antitrust investigation. How much of it is actual news, and how much of it is them trying to say we're the good guys? my advice is to pay close attention to that. All right. Uh, 
so let me just see. We've covered a couple of those things. I want to just talk very quickly. Uh, Parsimony.com, if you guys haven't tried the free forever version, check that out. We've got deep um, capabilities in there for you, even on the free version. It's limited on ASINs. It's limited on some sales basis. In other words, if you're um, a seller and you have potential to get a lot of value out of it, you should pay something. But there's a free version everybody can try out, and you get some basic uh uh, review, not reviews. Yes, you, you can capture reviews. We do a bunch of site monitoring or listing monitoring so that you can, you know, capture reviews, you capture um, your content, you get alerts via Slack or text or whatever you want if your uh, something changes on your listing. There's also project management. We have this new cool SOP thing that doesn't just work in the, the system. It works if you go onto Amazon Seller Central, the SOP app will stay with you and make sure that your team goes through and executes certain things. It is really cool. And I'm not, uh, although I'm the lead investor of Parsimony.com, I'm not the expert. Michael Bukowski is the president. So I don't know which of those pieces are all included, but I know there's a free forever version that everybody loves. Um, we talked about this. We talked about that. Uh, if you guys have questions, I would actually love to hear from you guys. First of all, any open questions, I'm I'm open for you generally. But number two is, how do you think about uh, Q4? What, what's your predictions to Q4? Uh, and by the way, thanks to Constantine for being uh, understanding. Um, basically, he's helping me feel better about my poor audio skills. Thank you, Constantine. Appreciate that. And Kimberly did the same. She's like, rewind. And uh, okay, so I'm gonna give uh, give you guys the chance to ask some questions, but also to give me your projections for Q4. Are you gonna be up? Are you gonna be down? Be the same? And why, if you care to expound on that point? Uh, in the meantime, I wanna just see, I had another little thing teed up for you guys. And I've already shared the catalyst88.com slash Mexico. I'll just put in that parsimony uh, link for you as well because parsimony.com has the free version available to you. Uh, for those of you who may be Product Savants customers, the Kevin and Steve project that morphed into Product Savants, we have <coughs> over three dozen active projects that are, are making sig significant traction. We've run you know many, many dozens more than that through the, the, the funnel, so to speak. And it's just so hard to get good quality unicorns to fall through the to the bottom of that. So we keep we spin some out every couple three weeks, but we're going to spin out a bunch over the next two to three weeks and give people uh, the opportunity to set up their their 2020 launches. Which brings up a very important point, which is how familiar are you guys with Chinese New Year? That's a good question. Uh, for those who have been around, it usually only takes one year for you to get smacked in the head uh, to learn about Chinese New Year. And I highly encourage each and every one of you listening and watching to go right now and ask your supplier, when is their Chinese New Year cutoff time for orders? So it changes by vendor. Sometimes it changes by industry. The raw material supply chain can have an impact on it. Uh, we have uh, several of our vendors, if you can believe this, they want the Chinese New Year orders in before or at, by the end of October, some of them, which is an outrage. Uh, it's not uncommon to have the middle to the end of November or even the first 
or second week of December. But with the pandemic and with the uncertainty, I think a lot of people are trying to push that forward. And uh, that's obviously problematic uh, if your normal process is to do it later. So I'm encouraging each and every one of you, whether you're Products Avance customer or not, go get your deadlines for each of your suppliers. What is the deadline to order to, to guarantee that will ship before Chinese New Year? And don't cut it close to the day, right? Uh, give them a, a couple extra days because they truly will fulfill orders kind of in line. And the, the general, I, I would say the general prevailing wisdom in China is they will, whoever's paying the fastest and paying the most, they'll ship those first. Unless you have leverage on them, uh, we're lucky enough that many of our suppliers, certainly the vast majority, we have some amount of leverage. So even though we don't pay them, uh, until 60 days after the product uh, has shipped, we still have enough leverage because we do enough volume that you know they don't want to lose our business by taking you know a few people who might pay them a little faster or pay them a little bit more. But until you have that leverage, just know that if if you're up against it and they say, well, I can't get this to you, maybe just offer them a little more money. Go well, you know, I know I said I would pay three bucks uh, a unit for this. That's what we agreed to, but I'll pay you, you know. 320 per unit or 315 per unit give them a five percent bump and you'll be surprised at how things start moving uh, that is a that's a serious thing and by the way that works globally in the united states we've been fighting to get certain containers and certain packaging from our um for vikings.com uh factory up in wisconsin this is a i'll put that in there for you guys um Vikings.com makes uh, some like wipes and uh, some sanitizer and things like that. Just getting containers for that stuff has been miserable. And so we often have to just pay higher than the prevailing rate just to get uh, something to ship. Uh, okay, so Steve says, not me, Steve, Steve Miles says, one of my suppliers is pushing hard now for orders. So that that's a very important point. So first of all, this is not an uncommon tactic for China, you know, to to put the hard sell on, right, and put the hard close on to say, you know, we need your orders or you're not going to get it. Right now, there's a, a so much uncertainty in the world that many of these factories want to get as much business booked as possible. And we've even seen this, uh, by the way, ourselves, that some of these factories, even ones we're not yet um, scaled up with, they're pushing harder than they would have. Like I placed an order in bloody August, and by the time the order landed and got unloaded, they were offering me 40% lower prices. 40%. And we're not, we're not terrible buyers, but that's how significant their panic mode is. And uh, it does happen to be uh, in a very competitive space. So my advice to you, Steve, is as your suppliers are pushing hard for orders, do your forecasting carefully. Think about what you need, and and don't get, uh, don't be too conservative. Don't be too aggressive. Right, it's the Goldilocks principle. Try to get it just right uh, as as well as you possibly can. Obviously, nobody's perfect. Um, I, and I, I'll, before I jump to Kimberly's question, I will just say, <laughs> in my opinion, it's better to run out of stock than have stock that lasts for a year. Right. So many people are like, well, my stock doesn't go bad. I, I'll just have stock left over. Uh, having stocks sit around for long periods of time is a is not a winning strategy generally speaking it's it's kind of better to just uh, play through and play conservative uh, for the most part 
I'm sure there's exceptions to every rule. That's a general rule. So Kim says, I don't think uh, it will be higher than last year, uh, but uh, based on the fact that she will not be purchasing gifts or people outside her lockdown circle, right? She got the COVID lockdown circle. So maybe that's true, Kim. I don't know. Um, Kimberly's smart, and I certainly listen to her. You know, my expectation is online in general will benefit. And so that tide is rising for any online seller, partially on that shift out of the retail sector into online, right? Black Friday, there's not going to be any crazy Black Friday events happening, right? Can you just think of which store is going to open up on Thanksgiving? Right now, none of them. And then number two, the stores are um, measuring how many people are inside and they're they're metering the people in and out the doors. This is this is it was already a nightmare, and you know Black Friday and holiday shopping. Like I don't like to go into retail stores anyway, and now it's going to be worse. Uh, and so that what does that do? That drives people to adopting online more, which means you're all in the right place at the right time. Sell stuff online as as quick as you can, as often as you can. That's where people are being trained to go right now. Uh, and I'll give you a funny story. So I was talking with a buyer for TJ Maxx and Marshalls uh, this week. And basically, we, we did a deal with Home Goods. Um, if you guys uh, are from the United States, Home Goods is a – well, actually, I think they have things uh, in Canada and even per, perhaps in Europe as well. But they're big home interiors, and we did a deal with them. And this particular buyer wasn't involved with that deal. He was in California. Our other buyer was in Boston. And they said – he went into a store and he could scan and see that unit and see who the vendor was. He liked the unit. He could see it was selling really well. And so he called. He's like, hey, I want to get some more of that. And I'm like, hey, that was a blowout kind of favor. Uh, even if I could get you more of that, which it would take time, it's not going to be at that price. And that's that's where I put out to the Awesomers um, Facebook group and the Empowery Facebook group. I said, hey, anybody who's got things in home, Small office, small or home office, Soho, that's called. If you have something in furniture that you want to blow out at really aggressive prices, maybe even below your cost. I did stuff below my cost because I don't want the inventory. But if you've got a bunch of stuff you need to get rid of, uh, I may be able to help you uh, facilitate a, a disposal of that. Uh, this is not for you to make money. This is not for you to um, get rich. This is just to to kind of help you clean stuff out of the the uh, rafters, so to speak. And I have a, a saying when it comes to inventory. Once it's been around more than six months, you got to turn the trash into cash. That's right, because I like to rhyme. And that trash is much better founded in cash. So my point is, if you have inventory and it's been sitting around a long time, start aggressively marking it down. Sell it through your traditional channels, Amazon or otherwise. Even you know, at a break even, even at a loss to some extent. And then look for liquidation channels if you if you need to, because that inventory, the older it gets, the more it will annoy you. And that doesn't mean I don't have old inventory, I certainly do, but we do our level best to try to work through it as quick as we can. And right now we're we're like donating stuff to places, we're blowing out stuff because as we come to the end of the year, we just don't want to have things that we're unlikely to sell for profit. What does that mean? That means, yes, sometimes we, you know, when, when you first start selling a product, it starts out at the profit level. And then over time, it becomes commoditized, profit drops. I'm, my hand's getting off the screen. And it gets lower and lower until you get to the liquidation where you make nothing on it. 
your objective over the lifespan of that product, that entire profit curve, is to make enough on the front end to rationalize the back end blowouts or liquidations or what have you. And I know many Amazon sellers aren't yet familiar with that kind of product lifecycle, but I want you to think about it, be thoughtful about when you introduce it, you know, often we we promo introduce it to get people, you know, to start buying it, and therefore get the awareness and the ranking and so on. Then the next part of it is your most profitable time, right, during the introduction and, and your accelerated sales. Then over time, maybe you start to lose ranking or there's a bunch more competition. That's that commoditization I just referred to. That's when the profit gets squeezed, right? You're paying more on ads, getting lower conversions. Uh, maybe FBA fees are going up, right? You're getting squeezed again. And ultimately, you have to look at that product and decide, am I going to kill this thing or am I going to carry on with this thing? And if I'm carrying on, how is it going to make me money? And if, it's, if it can't make you money, you should definitely kill that product. Uh, products are not people, so kill them uh, if they are not making you money. Their only job is to make you money. They're not there to you know, make your brand look good or, or other types of things like that. Uh, and Kimberly uh, points out that long-term storage is a huge, she put that in all caps, and painful sucker punch. It is, so I, I you know, long-term storage is something I simply won't pay. Like, I, I just can't afford to pay it. Um, so we, we desperately avoid uh, long-term storage fees, LTSF, at Amazon by leveraging um, third-party fulfillment. Now, I, I want to talk about an important problem that Amazon FBA has, and this just was brought to my attention by one of the Empowering board members, Marcos, this week. I don't even have full details. I haven't confirmed this from a number of sources, so this is this is the, the, the situation, and we're waiting for the facts to kind of fold in and, and inform us about decisions we need to make. But the situation is he's got stock uh, in various places around the country, like Arizona, but not stock in California, and his conversion in California has plummeted. And I think this is true for other people. And I, I lament uh, if I'm giving away any any secrets. I think this is an important situation. And so, any of us that are finding sales in a particular state plummeting, and by the way, you can look at your sales by state. If you're not doing that, I certainly encourage you to do it. And in the parsimony free version, it'll download all that stuff, and you can sort it and export it and do whatever you want with it. But if you see states that are lagging the, the traction that you had three months ago versus now, it's possible that these are related to Amazon taking away the Prime badge from your listing in states where they don't have local Prime inventory. Now let that sink in for a minute. Amazon used to tell us, just put in your stuff somewhere in FBA and we'll ship it to the customer within two days and the shipping's on us. You don't have to worry about it. So the customer's got this high expectation of prime deliverability, and the seller has this expectation, I just got to cross the FBA threshold, and then I got the prime badge, right? You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, more likely, you can just agree with me because I'm right. So that's the expectations we went in with. Now it appears that Amazon is hyper-optimizing their own shipping by telling customers essentially this item since it's not in stock close to you where they can deliver same day next day maybe two day at a reasonable cost 
they just say no prime available for that product in that particular region, which is a devastating change. I know a lot of, <laughs> I warned people about this a couple of years ago. Uh, many Amazon sellers would say, hey, I just want to ship into one location because they want to minimize their inbound cost. And once you cross that threshold, as I said earlier, then Amazon ships it out uh, under the Prime badge, two-day shipping, right? Air, whatever it costs, that's on Amazon. Who cares? Well, Amazon's not playing that game anymore. The pandemic, they are breaking all the rules now. And basically, if they don't have the stuff in stock close by, they just say it's not available on Prime, period. And that is a devastating conversion issue, and that could be happening regionally. So if your sales are dropping, you need to look at where your items are stored, uh, what are the historical sales. Again, parsimony free, it will show you every FBA location. It shows you the stock locations of every FBA location that you have and the movements of those day by day. All of that stuff is critical because if you don't know where your stuff is and you don't know where you're getting the prime badge, uh, that is a problem. And there are services. Uh, my buddy Yev has a service you can get through Empowery that talks about, that shows you regionally how you look. And I just can't stress this enough, everybody. The geographic and other hyper-personalization, hyper-optimization for Amazon's profit, but personalization for you know making it most relevant to the shopper at hand, that is, um, it's going to be hard for us to control, and it's something we need to pay very close attention to. All right, that was another little uh, rant, another little rant. Um, avoid long-term storage, prepare for um, Chinese New Year, and by now you should have a very uh, clear plan on Q4, right? Your stock should be landing there already or landing in the next uh, week or two. Amazon's taking forever to get stuff in, and I just hope that it's going through enough FBA centers to not miss have that same mistake of the past where sellers would just try to get it into one one FBA center and then call it a day, they would game the system to avoid shipping it out to five or 10 or even 20 locations. And ultimately that could be coming back to haunt us today. Uh, I can tell you when I ship to Amazon as a vendor, we are often shipping to 25 or more warehouses weekly and, and not huge quantities to each one, right? They, their little magic computer tells us. So it's a pain in the keister for us Luckily, we've negotiated that that freight is on them. We, we gave them an allowance. This is something that anytime you sell to big companies, whether it's TJ Maxx or Home Depot or you know, pick your, your big box, Amazon included, you can often negotiate for returns allowances, for shipping inbound allowances. And so we just take a percentage off. We're going to spend that anyway. They have better shipping rates. Let them take the risk. Uh, of execution and, and let it be out of our hands at the moment we turn over that shipment in good order to the shipper. These are little lessons. You may say, well, gosh, I don't want to give up my 2%. And I say, believe me, you can't do it as good as they can do it cost-wise and execution-wise and responsibility-wise, right? Uh, UPS, you know, they lose stuff. It's not our problem. As long as we shipped it, it weighs right, uh, the right amount and so on. All right, that's a little rabbit hole for you there. So uh, last chance for questions, everybody. We're going to wrap it up. Um, again, if you're interested in going to the uh, Mexico Mastermind, it's free with the um, 
exception that we really want you to make a, some sort of donation. It's a fundraising event for Empowery.com. <coughs> Excuse me, the e-commerce uh, co-op member-owned nonprofit. Make a little donation to them or a big one. I prefer big ones. And let's keep them going. I don't make any money on it, uh, Empowery. I spend money on it, just to be clear. I don't get a dime uh, for any of that. I put money in every month to keep them going and to have a full-time team of people there to help fellow entrepreneurs. And But now I want it to stand on its own. So I want people to really uh, pay attention to that. So you go to Catalyst88.com slash Mexico to see the details. You're welcome to join. If you're not ready to travel, no problem. I, I'm not uh, uh, getting into the politics or the judgment or everybody's you know kind of yelling at each other. I, that's It's a real shame to see the social media. People just yell at each other. I, I don't they wouldn't yell at each other in person like that, or only the nut jobs uh, would do that. Uh, it, most people are civil. Most people are cordial. Most people are thoughtful. Yet somehow these online things, they just kind of uh, make us worse. So, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix, it's a high recommendation for me. It's a high recommendation. Uh, all right, in the absence of questions, everybody, we're going to tie it off here. Uh, any last words? I'll give you guys uh, 60 seconds here. Uh, if we get some questions, I'll address them. If we don't, we'll tie it off. Um, thanks, everybody who's participated from all over the world. Um, uh, I see all kinds of people here, and especially when my audio goes out. <laughs> Nerds. Nerds! Uh, sorry about that again, everybody, both at the very beginning and then in the middle I had an audio problem. And uh, I'm probably not even going to bother to fix it, I'll be honest. Uh, so the recordings of this will probably keep those authentic, uh, crappy tech issues in there. So uh, let's see. So Sean, <coughs> excuse me. Sean says, Yev is great. He's right. Yev is great. And Steve says, thanks, great session. And excellent recommendation, I assume, related to the social dilemma. And by the way, it is a dilemma because I'm talking to you on social media right now. Uh, does that make me part of the problem? I don't think so. Uh, but I can say that you know it is a dilemma. How we treat it, how we understand it, I think is important, and I think it is informative. Uh, Heather, great to see you online here. Uh, always appreciate your uh, inputs and uh, contribution to the entrepreneurial community. And uh, I'll tie it off here, everybody. This is episode uh, awesomers.com slash 201, 201st episode. You are here. You did it live. Well done, you. And for those listening to the recordings, it's still okay. You're listening now, and that's all that matters. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.